0: to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast.
1: And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. I am Chip Patterson. That's Barton Simmons. Barton Simmons has returned. He's back in the homestead uh, after what was the game of the week. Ohio State 27, Penn State 26. Uh, So many twists and turns to the contest. The atmosphere looked incredible barton uh you on cbs sports hq and we he was sitting there with uh i saw your jk dobbins interview that was very good you know dobbins uh for uh, what would you say if nothing else jk dobbins is perpetually confident in himself and that team's abilities
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah. we knew we were gonna win uh when we showed up
0: yeah right yeah. all right man yeah you were down 12 six minutes left like no, no doubt. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. So let's like
1: just let's, let's just open this up. There, we've got a lot to get to. We got to talk about the the injury to Trevor Lawrence and Clemson barely escaping. Now we got to talk about you know what in the world is happening. Are we selling all of our Mississippi State stock? Do we believe in Florida? Uh, we've unfortunately seen maybe the end of Duke's ACC coastal run. Texas nearly got a scare at Manhattan. Lots to get to. Uh, Michigan also too. But, we, again, let's let's get back to State College, Barton. That's where you were. Um, impressions, thoughts, what what really stood out to you as we're here, you know, only about 15 hours or so from the end of that game?
0: So I might as well give you the full uh, landscape of uh, perspective of this trip. So, first of all, I didn't get a chance to watch very many games on Saturday because I was dialed into Penn State game. Uh, press box I didn't have good good visual sight lines to other TVs. Um, I, I took in the tailgate experience a little bit as well. Uh, so I want to start with Penn State in general. Love the atmosphere. Hate the fact I had to stay an hour and a half away in Harrisburg PA. So a little bit like not super ideal. I I'd, you know, fly into Philly, drive two hours to Harrisburg to my hotel drive another hour and a half to get to state college. Um, So that wasn't ideal. But once in state college, uh, I was very impressed with the scene. Like it felt like you're – the tailgate scene, it feels like you're like a NASCAR race. And it's just like campers and RVs as far as the eye can see on this like vast expanse of like farmland. Um, And they got after it, man. Uh, Pre-game was one of the best pre-games I've ever seen in terms of just the energy, atmosphere, fireworks, band. Um, It it had it all. It it absolutely checked out and delivered from an atmosphere front. And uh, the game ultimately delivered, too. So I guess... I don't know where do you want to start on this game here Chip? Where, where how should we dig into this? Cuz there's a lot there's a lot of layers to peel back on this game. How much
1: how are you going to linger on James Franklin's decision making and play calling and then his explanation of it after the game in the press conference?
0: I'm curious what your take is on this. So I look, I think I I'm a sort of a James Franklin guy. I I really like I like him. I like his style. I like, I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. I think I had him ranked higher in our coaches poll in the spring than anybody else did. Um, And so I'm, I'm actually kind of curious what you thought of his, his remarks because what I, what I saw, like, yeah, there was a little bit of let's, let's, you know, let's forget about the play calls and just focus on how, you know, we got to start getting better. And I get it. I guess that's, you know, some people are reading that as Franklin sort of brushing off the blame for a really, you know, questionable fourth and five play call, um, and and I don't know if there were other sort of play 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 selection throughout the game people had questions about. But to me, like I just saw a coach go in there who was, I mean, it was just so clear how bad he wants to be. On the absolute top of the the hill in college football, and he wants this program to be at the absolute top of the hill in football. And I'm not a big like, look, yeah, in 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 hindsight, that fourth and five, like, yes, they probably another play would have been better. But what if that play had worked? Then everyone would be talking about what a good call it was. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big, you know, the game is all about that one bad decision or. Going forward on fourth down in the second quarter, or whatever the the different varying sort of one off decisions are, I I don't mind that James Franklin took it to look. We are we're close, but we are not there. And the next step to getting there is going to be just as hard and just as rigorous as the steps we took to get to where we are now. And and we've gotta we've gotta tighten up and and. And, and make ourselves uncomfortable again. I, I thought it was an insightful take. I thought it was, a, I thought, and I thought it was a very emotional, frustrated response that channeled it into, I think a very l- a legitimate sort of, I don't know, action steps. I mean, and, and so I, I was okay with it. What, 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 how did you perceive it? Were you, did you feel like he was sort of trying to deflect the blame of of whatever decisions you may have made that could have been second guessed.
1: Well, I I mean the the reason that I use the word linger is because I didn't want to linger on it at all. I didn't. I thought that it was in our in our Slack room. I thought it was one of the most le- it was the least interesting conversation because yeah. uh, step one, James Franklin, true or false, clock management and late game decision making has been a criticism of him in the past, right?
0: Has it? Early, how long has that been to this? I mean, I don't know. Like, is it like I, as I was watching that game, and and yes, at the end of the game, when they're calling time, I mean, look, they 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 were selling out for that last drive, and they weren't saving timeouts in their back pocket in case they didn't convert on that very last drive, and so as I'm sitting there watching the end of that game, I I didn't find myself being thinking, oh man, how how are they going to screw this up? I, I felt confident. And maybe that may again, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm sort of misremembering that he's got a a, a history of this, but I don't think I it's,
1: I don't think it's reared its head a lot recently, but I, I seem to, and again, like uh, a stereotype in these profiles and the way that certain coaches get considered great in-game coaches and others get uh, labeled as poor ones. It is unfair. It is very unfair to coaches, but it for I have I have looked at James Franklin and based on the experience at Vanderbilt and Penn State thus far, the I have seen great recruiter, I've seen great program builder, great motivator, and I do not look at him as a a whiz a, a like whiz kid in game coach. I do just it's not there, and so in that way, it kind of falls the it falls into the character like it falls into whatever preset of unfair expectations I have, it fell in line with that. Uh, number two, James Franklin being defiant in his answer also goes along with sort of the the nature of James Franklin. One of the things that makes him so good is his his confidence and his belief in himself, and he doesn't really care what anybody else thinks, and he'll rub some people the wrong way. I I just, I was ready. I saw the comment, and I was ready to move on. I said, that sounds... Like a James Franklin answer to uh, a to to a James Franklin uh, end of game situation. Now to your point about you know how badly he wants Penn State to be at the top. Like I don't think going going into the game so much of the conversation about Penn State being able to win this game had so much more to do with uh, the situation and the spot. Than someone's belief that the Penn state Nittany lions are a national championship contender. And so the two teams were on that field. And I don't think that Penn state as a total team right now has, and and like, there's another discussion that we can also get into as the season continues about whether anyone is on Alabama's level right now, you know, but like Georgia, Ohio state, is Clemson even there? I don't know, but I, I feel like Penn State's not there either. And so when when you just have that many opportunities, when that Ohio State defense is able to uh, come up with those stops to just keep getting the ball back to Dwayne Haskins, two long touchdown drives, like that was uh like championship caliber team coming back and getting the win, and team that's almost there. But not quite championship caliber. Just something goes wrong, and that, and I find in college football when you have those like a plus and shoot. I don't mean to stomp all over maybe your greater point of the game, but I mean that wasn't that pretty much what you wrote? That like Ohio State showed what elite is.
0: Yeah, I mean that was. I mean that's and look, I I, I used James Franklin's words to tell the story. I mean he said, you know, we we're, we're not elite. We're, we're trying to get elite. Ohio State is elite. That's what elite looks like, and and he's right. I mean, when you're like – Penn State outplayed Ohio State for, for almost all of that game. They, they certainly outplayed them in the first half, but you just knew when Penn State – I mean, they had four drives in the first half that's where they got into Penn State or Ohio State territory and came away with two field goals, a missed field goal, in and turn-over. a turnovers. And, oh, and, and point, turn it yeah. down. So five. Yeah. So they had at least five drives that first half, and I think they had a touchdown. That they had the long, the long touchdown. But they they got deep into Ohio State territory five times and got six points out of it. And you just knew, like when that happened, I just I didn't even tweet tweeted. I just knew, like that's 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 not that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite them like that. You cannot do that against an Ohio State team that you know is gonna figure some things out on offense. So I'm I'm very torn in how to see this game from a Penn State side because yes. In that sense, Penn State, they didn't close the deal. They didn't finish the job. They they, they, they played a better game than Ohio State, but Ohio State made the bigger plays in the bigger moments and and sort of showed why they are elite. But at the same time, they you know, you have to you do also have to give Penn State credit. Like they they really did limit Ohio State offensively. They uh, they, they gave Ohio State's defense fits. Um, I thought they really rattled Dwayne Haskins. You know, if you look at what Dwayne Haskins did, and, and I give him all the credit in the world for for leading his team down the field and and, and getting some key scores, but they're all, all of their big plays just they came off the screen game. Like Penn State was taking away the things that Ohio State has been doing really effectively this year, and and so they made them play left-handed, and they just. You know, at the end of the day, Ohio State just had more athletes on the outside that they could just get the ball to in space and say, make somebody miss and go make a play. And and really, the only guy that Penn State had that they could say go win us the game was Trace McSorley. That's a pretty good one to have, and he had a hell of a game. So impressive what Trace McSorley did. But again, I I, I saw an Ohio State team that made the big plays when they mattered. Like Penn State had some chances. Trace McSorley threw some some beautiful bo- footballs to covered wide receivers who just couldn't couldn't finish the catch, and and so I I don't know whether it means you know there's p- one more recruiting class of development, one more I mean because Penn State is getting closer from a talent standpoint, but there but right now it's still clear Ohio State has the has more talent, and I think ultimately. That, that one out on Saturday night it's just again get those guys the football and let let the talented players play and and I think ultimately that that kind of decided the game
1: I will uh, it it is the recency like this this is an interesting uh, thread for me in the recency bias I look at these big games and anytime that it seems like one team is totally dominating, but the score is only 13 nothing because of last year's national championship game I'm like uh uh-uh. uh no way this is like Penn State 3 minutes left in the first half they've been dominating the entire game they're only had 13 nothing and I'm like two Ohio State touchdowns and this thing is a totally different game they get the one real quick score right before halftime and come back out score at the beginning of the third quarter and all of a sudden brand new ball game it's insane,
0: and and I think that it, it comp, like when you found when you know you've really been the better team through the first, uh, whatever, fifty four minutes of the game, and and then suddenly, Ohio State has a long touchdown drive, off of sort of a circus play that's that's, that's closed with a circus play from Benjamin Victor to to get it within a score. I think then it, you tighten up that much more, knowing like we've been like we should have had this thing won 30 minutes ago and and if it's if it's just been a back and forth battle all night then you're like all right it's our turn but now you that now you starting to feel it a little bit because you know all the opportunities you missed and so i do think it like really compounds um you know what you know the, the, those those scenarios and circumstances and, and we saw that but i, I look you got to give ohio, you gotta give ohio state credit not only for making the big plays, but they did make adjustments. I felt like in the second half, they came out with a game plan offensively, in terms of pushing tempo and and getting Penn State's defense to play on its heels a little bit. That that really helped. I, I felt like, you know, Trace McSorley continued to kind of do what he wanted throughout the night. Um, if if
1: Penn State wins this game, he's a Heisman frontrunner on Sunday.
0: I still think he out-dueled Dwayne Haskins. Agree. I still think he is is. Yeah, you know, I think that inserts him into the Heisman discussion, where it wasn't he he hadn't been really in there the first few weeks. Um,
1: he was tearing into the teeth of that Ohio State defense fearlessly, <laughs>
0: like yeah,
1: like Trace McSorley does not have the body of most quarterbacks that are just running headfirst between the tackles at Ohio State's defense.
0: Yeah. And and he expo- he did expose Ohio State a little bit. Not that they haven't. I mean, we already sort of knew. Look, that this is as good as the defensive front is. The linebackers are are pretty imperfect. The back end has got some issues. And Trace McSorley made them pay for that a little bit. I think it's in their DNA at Ohio State to just just man up on the outside, press coverage, and just out athlete you. And uh, you know that that puts a little bit of of pressure on those linebackers to to make plays in the open field. Um, you know, when there's not, when there's, when there's a bunch of DBs following their men down the field. And so Trace McSorley sort of made him, made them pay for that a little bit. And uh, so he, you know, he, he, he impressed me. And and talking to Penn state folks after the game, you know, apparently he came into the, the locker room after the game and sort of said basically the same thing that, that James Franklin said to the media it was like, it's one point, you know, two two straight years of one point. It's about the little things, and 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 got pretty fiery with the team. And I think when you've got a guy that is, it not only is is making plays on the field, but is being a vocal leader in the right way in the locker room too. Because it's not like tearing into guys and saying, you know, it, it, it's it's sort of coach talk. Like, look, guys, if 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 Coach Franklin tells you to spit your gum out, spit your dang gum out and you know it's a you know we're doing everything the right way from here on out and he's not the type of guy that's going to peacock in front of the cameras about that stuff but i think behind the scenes it's telling that he is really taking on that kind of role beyond just being a playmaker so it makes you really believe in the kid and and it makes you kind of think that this is a team that's going to bounce back and, and have some big moments later in the year
1: so ohio state what what is your sense of belief or confidence in the buckeyes as uh, coming out of this game
0: I, I believe in them as, as being capable of beating everyone in the country not named Alabama I, I leave the game thinking that Alabama is still that this is not a you know they they're not in Alabama's league um, but they're in everyone else's league and they're they're still the class of the Big Ten and they still have uh, they still have some championship uh, DNA that the rest of the conference is is trying to generate and, and I mean that was the thing, man. Like that was that atmosphere was pregame when when I'm warm, you know if you're warming up in your Ohio State. I mean that those guys were. I mean that that's as that's as hostile an atmosphere as you're gonna find, and they took some punches in that first half, and they never. I mean they they kept on coming back, and and you just never felt like this game you know even with 6 minutes left i went down from the press box down to the field with 6 minutes left i had a whole story written practically about about the penn state win and but i just knew i was like look this is this thing's this thing's far from over cuz this ohio state team just ha- they, they just get it they they they've got that intangible and i think that's that's real and and i think there's only a few teams in college football that you can feel that way about uh, on an elite stage like this and ohio state's one of them and so you got to give them credit for that and so i i think they're uh, uh, I I turned in my rankings today. I think I had them third. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think they've earned that spot.
1: I've got them too.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't argue that.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, George's imperfect. They are. George's uh George's in an interesting spot because that game, uh, everyone was expecting that it to be an easy win against Tennessee, but. Man, it didn't look good for Georgia offensively. Thirty-eight twelve, the result. Jake Fromm put the ball on the ground a couple times. It was uh, recovered by Georgia. I feel like every single time like there were there were mistakes that it felt like Georgia wasn't getting punished for, some of that maybe being because it was Tennessee, but I'm I'm definitely coming out of the weekend and then Clemson having the close call, uh twenty seven twenty-three against Syracuse. Like one of my big one of my big takeaways is that of that you know, we were just talking about that tier. I agree with you. I don't have Ohio State on Alabama's level, but I I think I've got the Buckeyes leading that next pack right now. And even if there is some distance between that pack and the Tide, you know, college football has shown us time and time again, especially in the college football playoff era. I mean, you just you just gotta be you gotta have your number called. You gotta be able to get in that playoff. And if if this Ohio State team gets into the college football playoff, I would give it a pretty good shot against anyone else. Uh, not named Alabama. I like the way you put that.
0: You know who, and I don't know if there's, if we got more to, to hit on from the Penn State-Ohio State game, but, uh, so I don't want to, if you still got more to talk about, let me know, but what one, the, the, the one team that I'm starting to warm up to is maybe like the biggest threat to Alabama. Can you guess who I'm, who I'm about to say? Oklahoma? No, LSU. Oh, man. <laughs> And not, and not that I – but, like, that's – if if I just had to look – Because that, you know, cause that know, could one, be a
1: spot like, argument too. Like, you could make the same idea where if you think that there's a distance between Penn State and Ohio State, that distance was obviously closed when you count in environment, situation, and spot.
0: And and if if you're going it, to – it's it's not like I'm – yeah, right. And I'm not picking them to beat Alabama, but if you're going to tell me, look, there is – in, in the cosmic college football universe, there is a there there's one team there's only one team this year that's capable of beating Alabama. I'm not going to tell you who it is who but who do you think it is? I, I would say like the scenario that I think makes the most sense right now is LSU figuring out because of how good that defense is playing, and because uh, we talked about it before, Joe Burrow seems to like this stuff. Yeah, he seems to, he seems to like these big moments and these big 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 atmospheres and. Uh and so I I mean I I moved LSU up to fourth in my rankings. Sick. And I I don't know, like maybe that's given too much credit for a for a win over an Ole Miss team that's just so disappointing. Yeah. I I expected Ole Miss to give some some of these teams a little bit of a scare. Uh but so I don't want to you know, maybe it's an overreaction, but at some point we got to start giving lsu credit for this stuff
1: all right so i'll say this this is the second week in a row that i noticed a habit from lsu and i will identify it as a good habit and one that i think represents a very good team they've lsu has um you've got a couple pets right
0: I used to I used to oh, until until <laughs> the, until the two two human pets arrived and and the wife said tally ho, to to the dog.
1: Um there I I feel like LSU will take some naps sometimes. And when when LSU needs to wake up, it can wake up and go. But LSU will fall asleep, you know, and and I think that that's it's created an interesting dynamic because my my habit of seeing the LSU team, particularly on offense in years past, is that yeah, like there there will be times that the offense will kind of go to sleep and and sort of lose its path and not have its efficiency and looking a little bit clunky, but then you know that's that ends up being their downfall. But the difference here is that LSU against Louisiana Tech and against again against Ole Miss, like they they hit it they establish this lead then they kind of fall asleep at the wheel a little bit the uh, the opposition will you know find a couple big plays get a couple stops on some drives and it's almost like lsu is the is like the the dog that like wakes up from the nap to just like bark at like the other the young puppy that's like playing with it you know it's just like just like "No, no no back off i got this And that's, and I guess like as a tiger, like, I guess that would be the example here. Like, you know, LSU is a tiger that would, that sometimes can, can get a lead and, and just start sunbathing a little bit. And then someone starts messing with it too much. You need to jump up and show your teeth a little. And when LSU shows its teeth, it's like, Oh, Justin Jefferson's better than everyone in your defensive backfield. You know, like there's, there is, uh, they've got enough of a dynamic offense that they can snap back and very quickly put the opposition in place. And so I, again, I guess I can say that that is the quality of a good team. I don't know why I am still, maybe it is those, those moments of slumber that have me, uh, not necessarily willing to elevate it quite to like number four. But I, I, I think LSU has done nothing but check boxes for me. How about that?
0: Well and and I think also, you know, I mean, look, the I get you, yeah, they, they can go on cruise control, but I think that's part of the reason why I like them as the the one of the most competent Bama uh, contenders is that in the big moment and they're dialed in, they've I mean they there's as good as you're gonna get and they've got all the they've got a lot of, all the talent and so when you're in that big moment, LSU is going to is going to be able to take a punch, and they're going to be able to deliver one as well. So, uh, so I, I just, you know, I'm warm. I've, I've I have I'm tired of doubting LSU. I'm sick of it. It's Not fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, get Getting back on board with really good fun LSU. Putting myself back in that like two thousand like two thousands vibe. I can rock with that. Cause yeah, that's, l- that's like the like peak LSU from Saban's title in 03 to maybe like 2000, like I guess the the national championship game in at the end of the 2011 season, and then maybe we'll say even into the 2012 season. Like that was peak LSU. That decade that was peak LSU.
0: And look, knock it around all you want, but is there is there a a is there a version of LSU that we want more than a great LSU with Ed Orgeron coaching it? No, that's great. (laughs) I want that. Right. Like that's what I want. Right. That's, that's all, you know, so yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's meet, head this up and just, and just be fast and athletic and physical and, and throw bombs. It's kind of what they're doing right now. And, uh, so I'm, I'm on board with it, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm I'm liking it, and i um, like I said I I'm 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 not pl- I'm I'm sick of the doubt, I'm sick of the LSU doubt. I've I've played that card long enough. I'm gonna jump on board.
1: Um, so I I was I spent a lot of time, kind of got the the call once Syracuse had established a lead early, and then Trevor Lawrence got knocked out. Uh, I was sort of on the, the Clemson upset watch. Of course, Clemson, as we mentioned earlier, does end up escaping with a 27 23 win against the Orange. Chase Bryce coming in. And uh, it, so. Th- Dabo Sweeney said across the headset to the offensive staff, he's like, all right, we're just going to go old school. We're just going to have to get this done on the ground. And sure enough, Travis Etienne rolls up over 200 yards, three touchdowns, Tavian Feaster's getting in there, Adam Choice is getting in there. They they really leaned on their offensive line. They even got Chase Bryce to scramble for a first down. He came up with a couple big throws, but for the most part, man, Clemson's passing game, like – I, I don't know how much of it was just, you know, trying to keep things easy for Chase Bryce, the redshirt freshman, but uh it it is an even less than Kelly Bryant type excuse me. An even less than Kelly Bryant type situation with him in the game. Uh and so The, you know, will Kelly Bryant join the team? Is he long gone? Like that That's going to be a conversation point. Uh, Is Trevor Lawrence just going to be fine? Did he get knocked out of the game because it was a headshot and it's a precautionary measure? That would be, I guess, uh, something where you would look at Clemson's medical staff and you'd say, well, at least you're not forcing the literal franchise right back out there. But there's also this take where what what if Clemson being like super, super old school is still good enough to win the ACC? Is that too much of a Clemson heavy take? Because I look at Syracuse in 2018 as one of the ACC's better teams. I think. I think Syracuse, looking at the rest of its schedule, is going to finish the year with eight or nine wins. And well, that, s- oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, like, yeah. I think that's that's the thing here is like everyone on the surface is just sort of scoffing at this come from a high win over Syracuse and look they this isn't Ohio State beating Penn State. So but let's let's not let's not write off Syracuse as the Syracuse of two years ago. Um, or even the Syracuse of last year who they lost to. Uh, I think Syracuse is a good enough team to where this you know this 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 also could be viewed as a championship level team facing adversity and figuring out a way to win. Right. Um and so I don't Look, I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're. certainly not a playoff caliber team with Chase Bryce at quarterback, and they're not going to have Chase Bryce at quarterback for much longer. Uh, hopefully, for for Trevor Lawrence's sake. Uh, but can they can they steal another win against Wake Forest next week if he's got to play? I think probably they can, um, and can you know if Trevor Lawrence is healthy. Does this game discourage me from thinking that Clemson can be the team that I thought they could be with Trevor Lawrence a week ago? No, I, didn't, I still think this is this is a team that that has a real chance to grow with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, uh, the preseason calibration has all changed. No, this doesn't look like the Clemson team I thought they could be before the season, but they still could get there. And I think they still could get there with, with Trevor Lawrence. Uh well they have to get there with Trevor Lawrence if and so I'm I don't I don't leave this game like super concerned about who Clemson is.
1: What all right? So what about the the Kelly Bryant factor at this? Do you foresee any future where Kelly Bryant, who is still enrolled in classes at Clemson, would return to the team, knowing that Dabo Sweeney said on ESPN, "heck yeah, I'd welcome him back. I love that guy."
0: I uh, I think I think I think Kelly Bryant signed out, closed his tab. I think he's bounced out. Uh, I don't know how you just, I don't know how you leave and then come back and he's still be coming back to be a backup. Um, he's got the
1: United Nations ambassador tweeting about him.
0: (laughs) You Really? With Nikki
1: Haley, you know, the former Uh, South Carolina governor.
0: Isn't she the UN ambassador? Uh, I think that's what her title is. Yeah, she's like she's
1: got some some title in the administration. She was out here being like, "Boy, it'd be great to see Kelly Bryant walk out of that tunnel after halftime."
0: But he's, you know what? But he, I mean, he made his decision. He wants to play a full season somewhere as a starter. He ain't gonna, he's not going to come back. But he's still the backup. So I think I think Clemson's got its you know they've got their hand. They got to play these cards. Trevor may need to just start start uh, getting out of bounds a little quicker. Because uh, he is the franchise now. Um yeah, No more that's, headshots.
1: That's the thing, man. Is like after after an emotional week and after the ups and downs of that week, to all of a sudden, you know, have the all of the realities of like, man, that quarterback room is thin. All it takes is one shot, and you're down to chase. Oh nope, we're down to Chase Bryce. Yeah. Like it happened real quick. But, um, but
0: was was Chase Bryce? I mean. My understanding of Chase Bryce is capable quarterback. Did he look like a capable quarterback, or did he just come away with one good drive at the end of the game to to piece together a win? Or did he look incapable?
1: He made two really, really good throws at the very end of the game when they needed it. Uh, He had a couple good runs of, like, extend the play and make some throws on the run for the first two drives, maybe three drives, Syracuse had no respect for Chase Bryce as a passer. Um and he missed wide receivers that he was throwing to in one on one coverage. Okay. Like it was uh here, let me pull it up. They were driving and so in the when Chase Bryce came out in the all for most of Chase Bryce's third quarter. Yeah. Two drives one of them eight plays fifty five yards uh the next one they got the ball I think off a turnover they had it in good field position ready to score both of both of those drives both of those plays they were in a scoring position where they were near scoring position and they faced third down where he had to make a throw and he missed yeah and that was and that was just like my my observation watching the game was oh wow Syracuse is just just not going to respect him as a thrower which we've seen remember from Kelly Bryant against Alabama where it's like oh Alabama does has no fear about uh him throwing this ball to T Higgins and that's that was what I saw now again credit him for battling back and leading those drives and he had the the offense going up tempo and you know, he was he was doing a lot of handing the ball off, but they were on, on some zone read plays. And I uh, I I give him credit for guiding that team to a win. But he he presented to me, at least in terms of the way that a team defends the Clemson offense, some of the same frustrations and limitations that we had seen before.
0: So. All right. So we're we're, we're sort of at a standstill with Clemson and our belief in them uh, in terms of their playoff upside. Uh, we talked about a little bit about LSU um, we've talked about how we feel about Ohio State and and here we are maybe the most likely playoff participants suddenly is the Notre Dame Fieden Irish
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any of this game so I, I need this was going on during my game I'm in the press box I didn't get a chance to watch any of it uh, I've been traveling today and so I'm, I'm 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 having a chance to catch up so I need you to tell me cuz we've had our doubts about Notre Dame I got I got, I got did you see about the heat I got on Twitter from some some guy who I'm not even going to say his name because he may have had just a couple too many pops and maybe he was just a little bit heated and, you know full of full of excitement after the big win uh, but he was mad at me for saying I doubted Notre Dame um, even though I picked them to win and cover uh, I guess he didn't feel like I was enthusiastic enough after their near losses to Ball State and Vanderbilt. So tell me where we are with Notre Dame now because, hey, look at the box score, man. It sure seems like they kind of dominated this game. Um, so ha- how how do we feel about Notre Dame as a legitimate playoff contender? They're going to be – I don't, I don't know what the line is this year, week for, with Virginia Tech. They could very well be double-digit favorites the rest of the year. They're probably like a seven-point favorite over USC. But they they should win out. I mean, they should.
1: I think that Notre Dame looks like a team that's going to go twelve and zero and then shut out in the playoff. They are so so relentless on defense, and I loved having Aaron Taylor point out the depth. You, you see, Jerry Tillery had four sacks in this game.
0: So he was a Walter Camp Player of the Week on the Dude. defense side of the ball.
1: I mean, he but the whole defensive line just. Pretty much dominated uh, Stanford. Bryce Love got hurt in this game, and I think that is a very significant development. KJ Costello didn't play great, um, it, but I mean he had Notre Dame players in his face. So I I look at this game. Um, the return of Dexter Williams was super significant, not only because he broke off a couple long runs, but just because he was he was running hard. And Dexter Williams played a second fiddled to josh adams for a lot of last year but they needed him in spots when josh adams got a little bit dinged up and i thought that his uh his emergence and him really taking control of the feature back role was huge for notre dame Uh, ian book was ian book was good ian book was great and uh and i i just the like you see alex bars got hurt i did yeah i think that's significant and I think somebody else got a little banged up in this game. I just I was watching Notre Dame and again they did they whooped up on Stanford particularly in the second half and they were getting big sacks and they were getting turnovers and it was the the snowball effect where your your defense was helping out your offense and everything was clicking and the building was rocking. But their best wins that they have so far are both at home. And I, I think they're going to be favored. I think they're going to win out. But I think that this is a Notre Dame team that will be able to rack up a lot of wins. But there's going to be a part of me that is just going to have uh, a little bit of reservations about being like, you know what? This is the year Notre Dame wins the national championship.
0: But, you know, we're going to be required. Like, I don't think we're going to be... Able- like if, if they figure out a way to go undefeated and... and- Everyone is now sort of penciling them in at 12-0, and 0, and probably that's, that's probably a little bit presumptuous because –
1: Because they have to play know. Syracuse in Yankee Stadium?
0: Yeah, they go Syracuse, and they got to have USC, and Northwestern is, is – that's a tricky win sometimes. And look, Virginia Tech came back from dead, lose to Old Dominion and lose their starting quarterback and then go and beat pretty good Duke team um so easily so hey that if, if if Virginia Tech can beat Duke by 17 points they can beat Notre Dame too agree agree um so but at the same time like if if Notre Dame figures out a way to go 12 and 0 i i think we we i think we're going to be forced to 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 give them the benefit of the doubt and 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 roll roll with it um so it's it's going to be fascinating but you're right. Look, I think that's the defense is the real is the real deal. Dexter Williams to have him in the stable as your backup. I mean, that, I don't know whether it's like not getting the system or whether it's just not not be you know I, talent's not the deal, issue with Dexter Williams. That guy's got ability, um, and so whatever it is that sort of held him up from being a breakout guy at Notre Dame, you know who knows but in terms of just give you know take the ball and go make some plays he can do that and and i, I think that's uh that's not surprising to me at all that he had that kind of a night against even a pretty good stanford defense
1: yeah missed miss the first four games he's back in and i i would be surprised if he seeds the the top running back spot for the rest of the season yeah um there's a lot of Lot of excitement right now about West Virginia. We came out of last week, sort of offering uh, some mea culpas for our West Virginia doubt, and they go into uh, tr- they this final score does not at all uh, represent the kind of game that we had because. There was a West Virginia pick six really late in the game. Texas Tech had a touchdown with like 30 some seconds left. Uh, They were, this was a lot of Texas Tech. And again, you know, credit to them for figuring out with third string quarterback Jet Duffy uh, coming in for Bowman. Oh, what,
0: did Bowman get hurt? Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: We're down to QB number three at Texas Tech.
0: How does this always happen? Did they feel like they're always down to, like, their third string quarterback and he's still really good too? Or or am I just, you know
1: – I mean, that was oh. Baker Mayfield to Davis Webb.
0: Yeah. To uh, Mahomes.
1: To Mahomes.
0: Um, wow. Okay. So I Jet mean, there's,
1: there's something to be said for uh, the system.
0: There is. I mean,
1: maybe your quarterback wouldn't get hurt as much if uh, – you had one more of those players that split to the other side of the field and to do a little chip,
0: right? <laughs> like
1: trade out, trade out your uh, trade out your Z for an H back, and maybe things change.
0: Right? Yeah. Just uh, just the pl- playground ball is pretty good when on the playground is two hand touch, but these guys are getting tackled, bro. <laughs> these
1: guys are getting <laughs> hit, and by by West Virginia's defense. So, uh, I I say that like it was thirty five ten at halftime and like advantages had been established right? right and you're just like wow west virginia they 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 are doing whatever they want on offense and that defensive line is just not going to let texas tech do anything like they texas tech scored on like one really really big play in the first quarter but for the most part in the first half could not get anything going so I I looked at this game, uh, which by the way, because of that last Texas Tech touchdown, went over the meaningless Texas Tech no, touchdown I, with thirty eight seconds I, left.
0: I know as you were discussing the way that game played out. Look, man, the oh the the under was a smart, savvy play. I am sorry that the right play lost. <laughs> like, is, I mean, that's that okay. <laughs> I was
1: I was telling Tom, I was like, I. I went into this week where uh, I said there were there were a lot of losses, but I was like, you know what? I was on the right side, and <laughs> that kind of take means your confidence is high, but your bankroll is low. <laughs> like you're like, no, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm still seeing it. I'm still seeing it. Uh, this week
0: was really frustrating for me. I'm gonna go ahead and get my excuses out of the way now, so I don't have to use them on the lock spot on Thursday all those big boy games all those big boy decision games that I was like basically going against my instinct and just being like all right this is this I know I'm, this is what I'm supposed to take so I'm gonna take it and they like all what for three on those and if I had just stayed away from those stupid games I'd be I'd be in good shape Florida so. State was stupid I would I don't even hate that one I'm okay with that one the, the one I, I hate that I bet against Oregon I hate that I picked Ole Miss against LSU Um And there was one more that it was just oh and BYU like as I played that one without digging into why that line was seventeen and a half and as and after the pod I had like a sports line show on on Friday I actually changed my pick on that show to Washington after like digging in and realizing oh man this is now I see why it's seventeen because BYU had 113th offense in the country in yards per play and Cal ain't that good and you know so it just Anyways,
1: we, well, we had talked ourselves into Jeff Grimes.
0: I mean, I still look, I, I still credit Jeff Grimes for what he's done at BYU. The improve,
1: the improvement is worth crediting. Yeah. No doubt.
0: Right. And so I think they've looked so much better this year, but if you're just not like, if, if, if you're not going to be able to move the ball in Washington and you, and it was, wasn't going to happen. The points are going to start piling up. And so that was just a it was just a misguided play. So there was those are just three. I just wish I had stayed away from. Otherwise, I'd be back feeling good. But I'm, I felt like I was seeing the ball a little better. I just should have stayed away from the ones I didn't I didn't like.
1: Um. So before we get to the bad, uh, West Virginia. That I would say that that was a team that came out and impressed me. And I will say uh, after putting eyes on the game, do not be. Uh, dissuaded from any of your Texas belief just because of that nineteen fourteen result against Kansas State.
0: Yo, know, I saw it was nineteen to like nothing in the second half, and and Texas had nineteen points and Kansas State had twenty two yards. Yeah, and I was like, and and then the, you know, and then the next thing I look up and Kansas State has has pulled some Kansas State magic and is just grinding their way back into the game. I don't know how they did it but uh but yeah that was that, that that was an interesting score to keep tabs off
1: i i will say uh i will not allege a uh a mis mismanagement from a coaching perspective but i will say that based on what i saw from texas in the second half of that game they were just trying to uh do whatever it, was going to get them to the uh, to the bus fastest
0: Get to the Red River. Yeah, they just they just gotta survive this little attack here and and get to the Red River.
1: Yeah, they they, it was it seemed to me like Tom Herman and everyone on that was on the headset. I I, because Dabo talked so much about the chatter on the headsets. I've that's what I've imagined all week was whatever the conversations were. And that and at Texas, that's what I think it was. I think they were like, all right we've done a good job of like totally limiting and and stuffing out everything that Kansas state has tried here in the first half. Let's run this ball and let's, let's get out here uh, with a win. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, Tom Herman's quote after the game was, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't pretty, but they all look pretty when their wins on Sunday morning, they wanted to get right out of there with the W. So I will dissuade you from selling any Texas stock. They did not cover the spread, whatever, but, they got the win, and so now here they are, uh, a one-loss team with a not-good loss to Maryland, but entering the Red River Week with all the confidence in the world that they can go on to, to p- win that game, especially after it only being twenty nine twenty four a year ago.
0: Yeah. All right, so I won't doubt Texas yet. Um, and plus, look, that's always – they're in Manhattan, Kansas State's. That's always tricky. I'm not look, I'm never going to begrudge anyone to just survive a Kansas State game with a win. So no worries there.
1: You know um, where you should be worried? Or do you want to ask do you wanna ask, where where do you, are you a little bit concerned cuz I've got a couple more where I I think that you should be worried.
0: I I'd rather I'm I'm a, more of a positive person chip. Okay. And so I'm going to stay on the positive side of things and say I am so stoked. About the Kentucky Wildcats, they're for real, dude. They're for real. I am so digging this Kentucky thing. I got them. T- I think what I, what did I put them? I ranked them in my CBS thing this week. Where are they? Eleventh in the country.
1: I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm I'm not going to say that you are wrong.
0: They're they're just. I mean. Look, I wouldn't that's another one. You just sort of look up and it's like all right, yeah, so Benny Benny Snell grinded out 99 yards on 28 carries. I know how that went. You know, it's like all right. Uh yeah, you know, Terry Wilson completed 13 passes for 132 yards and they won by they and they like never the game was like never in doubt. It's like yeah, that sounds about right. This is just who this Kentucky team is and they've embraced it. And they and they love it, and I love it. Um, that defense is just nasty and gets after you, and their offense is just so physical. And I'm a I'm a believer, man. I love this. I can't wait to November third.
1: Like you you see the, the thing about playing Kentucky is uh, you're going to fumble the ball, and you're going to fumble it in scoring position. Kentucky's going to recover, and you might even have a a really good defense and you're going to force them to a field goal. You know like that that win where it's like okay the defense really bailed us out there saved us four points. Well the problem is the next time your quarterback goes out there he's going to throw an interception. And then he's going to throw another interception. And then Jake Bentley as he did, he's going to throw another like there are there is no clean game that you're going to play against this Kentucky defense. And they are going to make life easy for their offense where all of a sudden you're playing one dimensional and all they're doing is giving you Benny Snell, who, by the way, I, I mentioned this in the tomorrow's top 25 today. I said, if, if Heisman Trophy, if you are a voter who tries to make that like a V, like a valuable, because I think Heisman Trophy's official language is the most outstanding player in college football if if you vote with the idea about what is the value to your team, right? Benny Snell absolutely deserves some consideration right now.
0: Yeah, and has there is there a is there a player in college football? I just talked about how how I'm so positive. Is there a player in college football who's seen his stock dip quite like Jake Bentley's over the last couple of years? I still can't get over just the the like. Press release love of Jake Bentley preseason last year, and and it just it was a very I guess underwhelming year, and and now we move to this year and it's just is it even what do we even call this year for him? It's it's uh he's got he tried so hard studded, he, he tried seven so... <laughs> touchdowns and six interceptions. You know he's got nine hundred twenty eight yards passing and. Four games, so I said a little over two hundred yards a game. I don't know, man. Like he's he's just—he's there's nothing about him that that like that pencils him into any elite category in uh, among quarterbacks in conference, nation, anything. He's just—he's just a—he's just a solid quarterback that you can win with.
1: He tried so hard to transcend the expectations for that position on that team, but at the end of the day, he's just Connor Shaw with hair. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, i mean at least he's in in some ways it's i don't know it's kind of may not be such a bad thing for south carolina that he's sort of played himself into a senior year or looks like he's playing himself into a senior year and he's you know as they continue to build this thing they don't have to as they keep on inching closer you know it looks like they're gonna get a they don't have to worry about breaking in a new quarterback next year as their roster continues to get better
1: yeah but i would i would throw it to uh to washington for like yeah but wouldn't you have loved wouldn't you have traded jake browning being good enough to go pro early
0: <laughs> that's a good question because i don't really i mean but I, I i don't know what south jake, carolina's quarterback browning, room looks is, like is, right, But like is but is that's jake what browning, i'm getting is, is jake hayner better than jake browning i don't i don't i'm not ready to. i'm not sure i'm ready to go there Maybe he is, but I don't. I'm not sure. I'm ready to go there.
1: Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know what to make of Jake Bentley. But this South Carolina team that I was feeling really good about, one and two starting conference play, two and two overall.
0: All right, and I and I bet you would. You were talking about teams that you are potentially disappointed in. I, I bet I know where you're going. Should how? how how much stock should I sell on Joe Moorhead right now? Mm.
1: They they looked bad, man. They they couldn't do anything against Florida's defense.
0: See, I figured at least they would be able to be Kentucky against them a little bit, and and run the football, and 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 get you know be physical up front, and. They had 104 rushing yards. Their leading rusher was like, the leading running back was Kyler Hill with 41 yards.
1: No explosive. There was not a single explosive. I I got to watch a decent amount of this game. I was I had it on the had it on like the 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 like the small TV on mute. You know where you're not like totally locked in, but because you're not changing channels, it's kind of always on. I did not see a single explosive play. Actually, let me have, pull up the bottom.
0: They don't, they don't they don't have one over 20 yards
1: yeah I mean and and like there was the way the game played out because it it started I want to say it was like three three or six three I mean it it started with uh a, a little bit of you know the spider-man meme of you know pointing at each other it seemed like they each were 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 there to to stop and counter each other's action but then all of a sudden like Florida had the next, like the Florida had the next step. Florida had another move. It was like, okay, so uh, Mississippi state's got our whole base offense figured out because you know, we was, a lot of it is from Mississippi, from Mississippi state last year. All right. Well, Mississippi state came out here and made some adjustments and they started uh, making life really, really easy for Felipe Franks and going to the screen game and, and figuring out other ways to just like get a little bit more going on offense and, and get some conversions on third. Not a lot of third down conversions in this game. Mississippi State, outside of like the base RPO, Nick Fitzgerald run stuff, like it just seemed as though Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen when they when they approached any of the other coaches who weren't on the Mississippi state last year, they were like, yeah, Nick Fitzgerald can't complete a pass down the field of more than 20 yards. So we're just going to totally not prepare for that aspect of his game. And the, the limitations of Nick Fitzgerald and the limitations of this Mississippi state offense, having been exposed, not only in the last two weeks, but exposed against Kentucky and now Florida, uh, man, man, the there is there is a season for Mississippi State that ends with uh, a good like building blocks and things to move forward with Joe Moorhead, but this season does not include the upset of Alabama and Starkville and making noise in the SEC West. This is a team that I would dare slot below Texas A and M in a vacuum.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is definitely one of the most disappointing teams to me because I did think this was. I thought this. I, I picked them as second in the West, and the defense has sort of held up its end. Uh, the defense has still been salty and and good. Offensively, though, it's just just surprising, and and I just wonder why that is. I wonder if Nick Fitzgerald is that much more limited than we, than we were, recognizing, or whether it's just. I mean the. I'm trying to think when the when the, I mean, Penn State didn't look great. Joe Moorhead's first year through the first five weeks of the season, and they but but, the, they turned the corner, and so I wonder if there's a, if there is a, adoption phase that they're still working through. But it just seems like it's too bad, right now, to where we can sort of just, just, uh, you know, cro- cross off that concern due to. Adapt, adapt adaptation period so I don't know I'm, I'm concerned like it's, it's weird like last year before the season you know one of these quarterback trainers that trains NFL draft guys was like yeah Nick Fitzgerald's first round NFL talent It's so, like okay I mean he's big he's athletic he's got a huge arm
1: is that because he's Josh Allen
0: probably yeah but I, but no but I mean, my point is that, that, that clearly is not true he, we've had now two years of looking at him as a thrower and it's just not it's just not that is not the case, um, and and it just it the progression just hadn't taken place. He still looks like a triple auction quarterback trying to throw a pass, you know, which is what he was in high school. Um, he just happens to be really big, so I'm I'm just surprised that Joe Moran hadn't found a way to make it work, and I wonder if Nick Fitzgerald maybe is more if he's just not the same. Maybe the injury he's just not the same guy as he was before, um, but it's it's concerning. And who'd have thought? How's this for a segue? Of all the first-year coaches, now pretty much everybody's struggling, except for a boy, Mario.
1: Oh man, what a response by Oregon!
0: Great game. Did you at least get to watch some of this? No, because I was. <laughs> can I let me just give you my timeline here? I'm working, so the game at Penn State ends around midnight-ish, somewhere in that range, and. Then you you got your hit down on the field for CBS, and then you know you go catch the end of the press conference, try to get a, a player to go write your story. I'm done with my story at 1:30. I walk 20 minutes to my car. I got an hour and a half drive to get to get to my hotel again because I'm in Harrisburg, and so it's literally like 4 a.m. I, I get to my hotel at 4 a.m. And so even I'm like on the drive in, I'm checking Twitter and. I'm hearing all the people talk about the USC Arizona game and what a mess that sounded like, uh, and so no, that's a, a long way of getting to. Unfortunately, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of windows there to get to get in that game, but I saw the score and the whole time I was like, I knew it. I knew these guys were going to take care of business.
1: Well, I mean it. It was exactly the like if the premise was Oregon. Because like, it did not say, like, I was like, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm rooting for you to not hit this. Right. I yeah. was
0: rooting for me not to hit it. I am glad I didn't hit it. I like this Oregon team being good. Yeah. And so I, I was, that's why I was so annoyed I even made the bets because I was just sort of, it was just sort of this Vegas mumbo jumbo that like, oh, Cal's, it's a good spot for Cal. It's like, well, Oregon's a better team.
1: Well, all right. So what is the deal with Travis Die? Because, hey, now. He uh he had himself a little bit of a game.
0: With tr- Troy Die?
1: No, not Troy Die from the defense, Travis Die.
0: Oh, Travis Die. Oh. I don't know.
1: Freshman running back from Cali just woo.
0: Wow, he I he, no, I I didn't have he he was not on my radar. So he crushed it, huh?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, tiny little dude. Let's see from Norco, I mean, California.
0: So he he's I'm sure he's Troy's brother because Troy was at Norco too.
1: All right. Well, then there you go. Yeah. yeah he, had, he had a dynamite game. Uh, he had one – like most of his yardage total was on one big run, but they gave him 20 carries. Uh, and uh, But the defense was great. Like Troy Dye is awesome. They were in the right places at the right time. Um, I I saw – like I saw from Cal everything that you would want to see if you were a Cal football fan – and for that reason that's why i take even more confidence out of oregon because i thought cal played that game well i thought cal played that game well enough to win it it's just that justin herbert and oregon were better
0: wow ugo amadi had a couple picks and a and a pick 6 too um this is they they just filled up the stat sheet in this game yeah man like it's just i'm going to i really think i'm going to pick oregon against washington yeah me too they got a bye week uh, I think both of them have a bye week, right? Um, but I think, yeah, let's see. Yeah, they're they're playing October thirteenth and Washington, I believe. I think they're both they could both get to rest up for it. No, Washington's got UCLA this weekend, so Oregon's got the bye week. Washington's got UCLA, who I thought looked encouraging at times. I mean, Colorado ended up winning and covering, but I I still think UCLA's going to end up, you know. Picking somebody off along the way, but I I I really like Oregon to to make a move in the North here. I mean, it's a shame they let that Stanford game get away from them because they if they if they have that win, um, with Washington coming to town, basically to win the North, shoot man, I'm I that that'd be. I'll tell you I mean, what I, though,
1: I don't I don't put it past Stanford to lose another Pac-12 game. Yeah. I think I think that if, if Oregon if Oregon wins out on the conference schedule, even though it doesn't have the head to head win against Stanford, uh I guess Stanford would have to lose two. That's right, because Notre Dame doesn't count.
0: I don't know, man. Well unless there's some three way tie. And I, then I don't know what the tiebreaker is in the Pac twelve.
1: Head to I mean, it's uh Head to, nor, normally it's I think it's pretty tough to
0: but if they've all beaten each other. If Oregon beat Washington, Washington beats Stanford, Stanford beats Oregon, then what's the you know, then what do they do?
1: Right. Probably comes down to like the college football playoff rankings. Yeah. Something silly like that. Uh let's see. Oklahoma looks dynamite. Auburn looks stinky. Michigan. Shea Patterson. I'm not
0: worried about it.
1: You're not worried about it? I don't think oh, Shea man, Patterson's no- that great.
0: Well, I don't know. You that that may be the case.
1: That was my my big my like notebook one sentence. That was Michigan's a very very good football team, but Shea Patterson is not the reason. He's he's a capable quarterback, and what's the what's the line everyone uses? He's probably the most talented quarterback that Jim Harbaugh's had at Michigan. That may be the case, but put into practice when it comes to the execution of the offense and the production on the field. Shea Patterson when he's running the show it looks a little bit clunky sometimes and that defense is the best thing that it has going because that defense is sick. I mean that's what what Michigan looks like. They still look like a team that has an elite all world defense and they're just figuring it out on the other side of the ball.
0: But with the Shea Patterson thing, and I'm not doing this to excuse his play, but at what point is Michigan and Jim Harbaugh just when when are they just going to produce a good-looking quarterback? They can't all, these these guys can't all be on them. It's sort of I don't really well, I, I, I'm, I'm why can why is Michigan, why is Michigan's quarterback play always like this?
1: Well, we can't we I think that in fairness to Jim Harbaugh and in fairness to Michigan, we have to remember that we're holding these quarterbacks probably to a different standard, right?
0: Yeah. But but
1: that's part of the Jim Harbaughs. If you're going to sell me on Jim Harbaugh, then I'm going to have an, a set of expectations.
0: Right. I you know, look, I think is like what's the comparison? I don't know. I mean, Ohio State never has bad quarterback play. They've always got a deep room of good quarterbacks. Um, even, if the maybe, best, yeah, maybe, even if I mean, the best
1: quarterback a, isn't on the field. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. But, may, I mean, that's a fair point. Like, maybe it's just, it is, it's just harder to, to consistently have a good quarterback than we're giving it credit for. And, Michigan hasn't found one. And, like, Jim, what Jim Harbaugh hasn't had is one good quarterback has been able to ride for two or three seasons. He, he's, he's, he's had Wilton Spade for two years. He had Jake Ruduck for one. He's got Shea Patterson for one. He's just sort of so he's had to, you know, he's he's missed on several. And I guess if you hit on one and you get him early, you get two or three years with him. Um, Shea Patterson was the assumption was he'd be one and done. I, I wonder if he's playing himself into another year.
1: I I think that you I think that Michigan is Michigan's in a spot where they have capable college quarterback play but because of Jim Harbaugh and you know Pep Hamilton and that whole offensive staff and everything that comes with the expectations of Jim Harbaugh the fact that there hasn't been a uh, championship winning quarterback play and and here's here's what I think I would consider just like right off the top of my head championship winning quarterback play is Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma it's Deshaun Watson at Clemson it's uh you know, this year to it, Alabama to at Nama, and man, thats a different world. You can't even mention that. Uh, championship quarterback play, like shoot. I think Michigan fans would trade Shea Patterson for Trace McSorley. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Championship quarterback play would be Sam Darnold at USC, even though they never won a national championship. That was championship quarterback play. Like I, but I
0: guess I, I guess what I like I think my problem is it doesn't ever. It always seems hard. Quarterback position always seems hard at Michigan. It does, you know. Whereas, like at, at Oklahoma, for example, it always looks very easy, and that's you know maybe that's not fair because we're talking Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray, but at you know at, at places where you see this consistent success is not about the players being that good; it's about the, the position looking looking so accessible, and and I you know and I think that there there's a fair critique. Of Michigan that the quarterback position feels inaccessible to to whoever they bring in and I, I don't know why they can't make it um more consumable for those guys
1: uh we'll see um let's see anything else from the notepad that stands out uh Duke's offense is not good enough to win the ACC
0: Day, even with even with our boy Daniel Jones back healthy, huh?
1: I am at the risk of uh, really like, I mean, I guess we're deep into this podcast, so I, I'll let this one fly. I've been disappointed with Daniel Jones this year, healthy or no. It's
0: going to cause some. It's going to cause some friction on the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just i I was expecting a really big step forward. And you know he's had the he he broke his clavicle in the second game of the season. Returned to practice ten days later, and maybe a lot of this is on the offensive line. Who my buddy Dave Harding, who does the the call for Duke on the radio, former Duke offensive lineman himself. I mean, he said he was like, "Look, this the success of this team will be on whether or not that offensive line can get it done." But I feel like I I also watched Daniel Jones miss some throws against Virginia Tech. And, the I mean, Duke's offense just had no teeth. Duke's offense had z- no teeth. And the defense did as much as it could to keep them in that game. And that just – that wasn't enough. And it was very, very clear. I mean, they, they even brought Quentin Harrison just to try and create some kind of spark. But
0: I just love how college football that is, that Virginia Tech can lose – by 14 points to a team, they're a 30-point favorite to an Old Dominion lose their starting quarterback, and then play a team that's getting their starting quarterback back that's undefeated, and go and beat them 31-14. That's just God. That's that's that makes this game so awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I agree with you. Just the all right. So yeah, I mean. It's just I, I I don't think Duke's offense has any teeth, even with Daniel Jones in there. And that and that does not mean that Duke's not gonna have what would be considered uh like Duke at Georgia Tech, Duke should win that game. Virginia, I don't know, Virginia might win that game. At Pitt, at Miami, North Carolina. Like there's there's three to five more wins. Like this is going to be a 7 to 9 win Duke team and that's that's over the the Vegas over under win total but you know if we were looking this at a crossroads of the season where one road takes us to another uh, generationally great year under David Cutcliffe I think I saw a separation on Saturday night and we're not going to be there.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Isn't that just sort of who Duke is? When was the last time we ever were like, Oh, this Duke offense excites me? Like I think they just I feel like their Duke's offense is always just just piecemealing together some 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 wins. True. But
1: man, even like the the team in two thousand thirteen uh was that Duke's dude's name was like Brandon Connette, maybe? Um I just I looked at that team. I think they had, that was a team that had Jameson Crowder, probably had Braxton Deaver as a tight end. Like it was just there was there was a little bit there was a little bit more offense. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, you have any more questions?
0: No, man. Bring on bring on week 6. What is it? Yeah, week 6. Wow. Deep deep into the season. Texas
1: Oklahoma Boston College, NC State, LSU, Florida, Florida State, Miami, Kentucky at Texas A and M. Whoa, buddy!
0: That's a good one. It's a
1: really good one.
0: I want. I just want Kentucky to keep winning, so we get a uh, a Kroger Field showdown between undefeated Georgia and undefeated Kentucky for the East on November third.
1: Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Like, what if Virginia Tech wins that game?
0: They probably will it's like that's like i said that's for everyone's like everyone's penciling their name into the playoffs now and right when that happens that's when they'll lose
1: i might get frisky and take uh ucla at home against washington sure like the the gonna get somebody game that might be it yeah absolutely Uh, He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, We got a big week, so make sure that you're subscribed. If not, Barton, thank you very much.